we're here. <laughs> Welcome to Prop Talk. Yet another version with uh, Mikey Trudell and myself, Chris Call, uh, in the room today with uh, Josh Roth. Hi. Welcome, Josh. How are you? I'm good. Good. How are you guys doing? Yes. Well, great, because we are post-strike. I can say it. Can I say it? I don't care. We're, I I'm think saying you can say it, it because yeah. I have to say it. Um, it's not ratified yet, but who knows? But <laughs> I know I don't know what I don't know what the deal is with that because they they officially went off strike, right? But so if if they don't ratify it, do they have to like vote to go back on strike? Or? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's internet fodder. Who knows what's really going on? But let's pray that it, we're we're past it, at least uh, you know until July, right? I hope so. so. I mean, I'm a SAG member. I'm waiting so I can vote. So I'm ready. Okay, great. Oh, you're so, a SAG so they haven't too. asked for a vote yet. Not yet. Okay, so Not yet. Okay, I mean, the board approved it, so I get all the emails from SAG. Yeah, so. and again, I mean, we're not going to like have a podcast about the right strike, but yeah. uh, but you know, again, it's only two and a half years, so you know, you know, it's a good start. If it's not complete, maybe you know, next I think, round I think we can fine tune it we're, some more. Yeah, we're ready to go. Everyone because we go need back an industry work. to go back to, right? Oh yeah, you know, because that's very much a real concern. So. Anyway, I'm ready to work. <laughs> yeah, we're all ready to work. I'm chomping at the bit for sure. Same. So, um, but so Josh, so yeah, let's. Uh, let me ask you, where are you from originally? I, originally, yeah, because I don't really know you at all. It's just yeah, nice no, to like, meet we've you. seen yeah, we've seen you around the halls of. Or I've seen you around the halls of. <laughs> exactly, ISS, pulling you know, our hair out. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I just want to pull some more people in real quick. So if you don't know who Josh Roth is, real quick, I just want to yeah, throw please. out some. He's like he's the Star Wars show. Prop master guy. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. why you're he, here. <laughs> he does. Uh, he does uh, the majority of the prop master show, which is the Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett, um, and most recently Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Yeah. Right. Wow, <laughs> yeah. So I just I want everybody. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So yes. if 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 you're about to like you know stop listening to this episode, that's might want to buckle up you know? yeah exactly <laughs> and, and and again i'm going to acquiesce to you on this one too mikey because this is your your uh, wheelhouse so right. i'm going to let you take the lead on this for the most part but i just want to get to know you a little bit too sure. josh you know what you know I, I you've worked for a lot of big people as well before you uh started mastering yourself so so uh, just real quick i, I was born in Colombia. Mm -hmm. then i was adopted and grew up in a uh, little bit in new york city and then mostly milwaukee wisconsin wow nice so I went to college in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I got my first union card as a stagehand, local 251, while I was still in college. Okay. So I did a lot of rock concerts, nice. did theater, did opera, you know, did whatever was in town. Right. But I always wanted to make movies. Yeah. So after, was this most stuff in high school or? Well, in high school, I, we actually had an amazing theater program in high school. So that's where I really started getting into like set build. I was one of the few people that actually built the sets mm. and did the props in high school and then also acted. So nice. we did four shows a year in high school. Oh, so, so that did, that's probably what sparked it then. That was for to, sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I mean, what really? I mean, actually, want to really talk about what sparked it? I was a kid. I remember still living in New York, <laughs> watching PBS, the PBS telethons. You know, we used to okay. have the call, the phone banks. Yes. and they had a making of Return of the Jedi. Wow. And I remember going to see Return of the Jedi. I mean, I'm you know, I was born in '77, so the only one I saw in the theaters was Jedi. Well, that's that's amazing. So I remember watching that as a kid, right? And then watching Mark Hamill talk about it and watching like the creature shop pack up these crates and they were going to Elstree. They're all so excited, and then they were playing with little action figures, doing like oh, you know, just figuring out how do they make this show, building Jabba sail barge. I showed all the people inside of Jabba, like oh. how many puppeteers it took, and I was like, this is so cool. I want to do that. And that's that's incredible to me. I mean, you, that was like your spark, and now here you are. Yeah. Wow. Well, I feel very fortunate. I was able to. You know, I think the fact that I'm able to 
work now in the universe that I wanted to as a little kid is amazing. Yeah. So I feel very fortunate about that. Yeah. To, to, for that to be right? your first spark. And then now it's just like, okay, you get yeah. to work with a lot of the people that actually um, helped create that for yeah, you. Yeah. That's right? like a kid looking at the lunar landing and saying, I want to be an astronaut. And then yep. he is. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, and that's pretty congratulations. cool. Congratulations. No, thank you. I mean, yeah. so yeah, basically I did a lot of theater in high school. Mm-hmm. And then I was a theater major in college and also a film major. And what school did you uh, go I went to? I went to UW Madison. Okay. Um, and then I moved to New York City, and I went to a summer, an amazing, uh, amazing Jewish summer camp mm-hmm. in Wisconsin. And one of my friends was a DGA trainee, so okay. I moved to New York City right after college. Nice. And I said, um, I want to do movies. You know, I I had a job in college. In addition to the stage, and I worked for the PBS uh, TV station, so it was right. WHA TV. So I learned a little bit about lighting. I was, you know, I was working um, hanging lights, you know. Sure. To, so grip and electric stuff. Yeah. Know? I was doing whatever I could do. Yeah, Because exactly. there wasn't much in Wisconsin the for, best, for filmmaking. Best education <laughs> ever. Right? And so when I moved to New York, my friend who was a DGA trainee, she was dating a dolly grip. And she said, hey, call this guy Keith. He'll get you some days. Nice. So I started working for Local 52 as a grip. Because that's where I was just like, how do I break in? How do I figure this out? So you got in the union. I did not. Oh. Local 52 uh, is a great union. Uh-huh. It's very hard to get in if you, yes. if you don't have a family member. Correct. Yeah. And I did not. I mean, my family, uh, my dad's a social worker. You know, my mom was right, a teacher. Right, right. So how did you work? I took the in... test three times. I didn't get it. Uh-huh. And then I had a choice in my life where I was also doing lighting and rock concerts in New York City. Right. And so I was working for a company called C-Factor. Okay. And they said, we're going to send you on tour with this band called Deep Purple. Oh, oh, some small band. Yeah. Or I got called to come out here and produce a project for a friend of mine who had just written a script and his he had some money. He raised some money. And his name is Colin Trevorrow. So I mm-hmm. came out here and he said, Colin and my good friend Dan Klein, they're like, can you produce this short project for us? So I either move to LA right. or I go on tour with Deep Purple. Wow. So I packed up my stuff and I said, I'm going to come. To, I'll just try LA. You know, I was very anti-California growing up because my parents are from Brooklyn. And I so see. my grandma lived in Queens and I was like, New York, East Coast, like right. that's that's where I belong. I love hip hop. It's like, that was my, that's right. my scene. That's my vibe. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I'm like, eh, I don't need California. Oh. But I came here mm-hmm. and it was four, I said four months, I'll do this thing. So I do the project. You know, I'm living on unemployment from New York, trying right. to figure out how we make, we had 150 grand to make this TV show. Right. This, you know, fake TV pilot. Yeah, Sorry, independent TV podcast. What, what, what year are we talking about now? Two thousand four. Wait, Deep Purple was still. Yeah, that was like it was a little small tour. It wasn't yeah. a big tour. Okay, you know, it wasn't like a. Your primary experience at this time was still mostly just gripping. Like gripping was your main. Well, I was a prop master in college, and my dad was an my dad was big into antiques. So I've always been shopping. I've always been mm. looking at stuff. Mm-hmm. I've always been into objects and right. items. Nice. Um, but yes, it was mostly it was all local fifty two right. grip. Right. I was, my last movie in New York was House of D. Uh, with Robin Williams, directed by David Duchovny, and I was the Dolly Grip. You know, and then I moved out here to do this project. So I was producing this project, and I just kind of fell in love with California. I moved to Venice Beach. I love Venice Beach. You know, I've been in the West Side my whole right. time here. So you moved. The first place you lived in uh, in Los Angeles was Venice Beach. Yeah, I lived yeah. block from the ocean. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I yeah. lived on Paloma. I lived nice. in this little apartment on Paloma. Nice. So when I was living in New York, um, I had the unfortunate experience of being in new york for 9-11 but because of that nobody wanted to live in battery park nobody everyone was freaked out to live downtown yeah and i got this loft in chinatown for a dollar a square foot so me and three buddies we built up this big loft and one of my friends he uh 
he was a trapeze artist. Mm-hmm. You know, we had 16 foot ceilings. We put a trapeze in. <laughs> Dope. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, his, his cousin comes to visit because cousin was in the, he's like, my cousin's in the film industry in LA. He's coming to visit. You know, you should meet him. He's going to stay with us. I said, okay. So I come home. I'd just been working in the theater. I had my car hearts, you know, I had my right. Gerber, you know, all my, my tools on. I come home. I, I meet my buddy. He's a good friend of mine now. His name's David Vineski. He's a set dresser mm-hmm. uh, and a shopper, you know, and, uh, we just got along. And he said, if you ever come out to LA, give me a call. Nice. So I came out to LA. I did this project. Right. Totally ran out of money. You know, and then I'm like, well, I better call David. What can I, you know, he's like, well, have you ever picked up a couch before? I said, <laughs> sure. He goes, okay, well, we got you on it. So he got me on a commercial. I started doing commercials. Uh, so that's how I got into the union. Actually, I was doing days as a commercial as a set dresser out here. Right. And then I was working oh. with... Uh, John Bush, uh, who's the lead man, and then Jeffrey Beecroft was our yep. production designer. Mm-hmm. And Jeffrey Beecroft did a movie uh, called 12 Monkeys with Doug Harlocker. Really? And so he would hire Doug as his prop master, as his property master. Sure. So I started meeting Doug, and I met uh, Scott you know, um, back in the day, and we got along. And I remember we were doing this commercial at Sony's for Hollywood Square. Uh, sorry, it was Victoria's Secret. So mm. Beecroft built this Hollywood Square. And there's no props. There's right. no props in a Victoria's Secret commercial. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think Jeff just loved, he loved Doug, you know? So right. Like Doug's there with a basketball. There's right. nothing to do. Right. And so we just started chatting. We got along. And, and he said, hey, next week I'm doing reshoots on Spider-Man 3. Are you available? Brilliant. So I said, sure. Wow. So then I, we hung out. We got along really well. We, I think we had, a, we had a taxi hanging upside down and a fake cinder block that... Um, Kirsten Dunst is like in a taxi. It's hanging upside down. She's got this right. fake cinder block. And Doug and I have a Fernie pad. And so, like, she's throwing this fake cinder block, and we were trying to catch it with this sure. fernie pad. And, you know, and of course, she hits me in the face, and of we were course. all laughing. You know, we are laughing. We just had a good time. And, right. And then Duck's like, hey, I got this movie coming up. Um, it's called Indiana Jones 4. Would you be available? I said, sure. I'd love to be available. Nice. Would you, would you still have taken that job knowing how that turned out? <laughs> I mean, for, yes, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah right? because, come on. It's here's the thing. I mean, it's, like, God. it's like, is that the best Indiana Jones movie ever? No. But... Was I able to be on set with George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Harrison Ford with a whip? I mean, it's like it's a it's a cool it's like the kids, yeah, another, it's another Jones kids movie. dream yeah. come true. So it's right. like that was fantastic. I love your trajectory of your career, by the way. I want to. So, so then, so then, Doug and I got along very well, and I learned so. I spent almost six years learning from him. Yeah. So Scott right. moved back to to New York City, and then I became his assistant. Wow. So then from there, I, I just learned so much, and we did so many great movies together. You know, we did Alice in Wonderland, right. we did Oblivion. Um, we did, uh, edge of, we did reshoots on edge of darkness. Um, we did men in black three. Your, so. your, so your entry to, I mean, the prop world, I guess I, my, my, mine was very different. And a lot of, I think a lot of people's was very different. You seem to have just been thrown into the deep end to these like giant blockbuster movies almost immediately. How is it like kind of just learning those like, is it more overwhelming and to try to figure that stuff out and, like, kind of go forward? Like, because I feel like we, uh, I don't know how to word it correctly. <laughs> um, I feel like the the margin for error uh, is much less on that type of show. <laughs> yes, I would say that's true. But even my first movie in New York was called Bad Company. And that was with Anthony Hopkins and Chris Rock as a grip. I mean, that was my first job ever right. in the industry. So I, I have been fortunate enough that I... You are correct. I have pretty much been able to work at a start working at a higher level, and in in I don't say higher at a bigger budget level. Right, yeah, able to yeah, work right. At, blockbuster at a movies, bigger budget yeah. level. Sure. So, um, um, yes, but I, I've always, you know, I, I don't know. I've always, I feel like I'm a 
you know, I'm kind of a cool, like a cucumber guy. It's like, you know, I'm not going to, like, right. just take it one day, to, one step at well, a time. Well, yeah, and, and there's more support in a bigger film. There's a lot more as support. As well, you know, because, you know, when we do these small budget movies, it's like you and you're doing everything, you know? I mean, or like on a commercial as yep. well, you know, where you're, you're hired, you're the art department. You're not just doing props, you're doing props, you're doing sets. Yeah, I've painted doing before. Effects, yeah, you know, everything. You're doing the smoke machine. Yeah, you paint exactly, this thing. you know, so. Yeah, commercials are rough. Yeah. <laughs> commercials <laughs> are, are super rough. rough. No, they are rough. I, I think I'll just say it's like, I, I mean, I've been in the industry, what, 13 years, and I still, I mean, I'll go out and help out Brad Elliott for a few days on like some of those shows or stuff like that, and I still, like, I'm so overwhelmed those first few days on set, you know what I mean? It just, it hits differently, I think. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, 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 there is, I guess, with these larger movies, or sorry, I want to say, with a bigger budget film, there is more staff. So in terms of oh, like, totally. there, yeah. in terms of pressure, there is definitely pressure, but we also sure. have, we have more prep time, we right? Have, and you know, I, I've always felt like, I mean, Doug has an amazing aesthetic. I feel yes. like my aesthetic is pretty good as well. And it's like, mm-hmm. and I used to shop, do I did a lot of the shopping for him. And oh, that's had, nice. And that's fun. Like I love that. I research. I love researching. Right. Like, getting no, yeah. into like, that's the best. especially the futuristic stuff, or like, yep. or doing a period thing, or like, what is this? Or like when we did Alice in Wonderland, and just finding all the little different drink me bottles and. I mean, it's just so much fun. Right. Yeah. So, so, yeah. and you have time. So, in terms of, it, it, yeah. Yes, the margin of it, you have. You have to operate at a very high level. Oh, totally. But yes. they give you the tools. At least I felt like right. they gave you and the tools. And you're also working with people who are working at a really high level already. I mean, how many times have you been on a film, a low-budget film or an you know, indie film or wherever, where it's just such a shit show because of everybody, you know, is you know people aren't great at their job and you have to, like, you know, cover a lot of bases or whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the biggest reason I'm kind of envious of that because you kind of thrown in and you got to learn immediately from the best of the best yeah. on the best Right. Things it's like uh where I mean, do you still feel like you still had a lot of opportunity on shows to just kind of figure things out yourself? I'm still figuring things out. Oh, yeah, I still am. Good. I mean, <laughs> that's the best I mean, way to put it. I, I guess it's, you know, I'm one of the best things about what I'm currently doing is we have our own shop. I have 15 employees, and we on Ahsoka we made every single prop in house. Nice. So I had, I mean, ISS made they machined a couple parts for us. We sent some parts out to get CNC'd. But everything else was made in house, so I'm learning every day. Like, I'm learning how do these laser cutters work. Like I, I still like I'm not a machinist, but I'm trying to see like how do these actually work. Like with the tooling, like there's so much to learn every day. Oh yeah. And so I mean, I, I love this. I love that about the job. Like 3D printing and the 3D modeling and like all. I mean, there's so much. It's oh so yeah, cool. with technology that's constantly changing and trying to figure making things that don't exist which is pretty much everything you have to make almost yeah. i mean I'm, I'm very fortunate to have an amazing team like people are you know we have one of our uh prop makers made his own chip you know lee trujillo made his own chip for the lightsabers nice. right. you know because we had to shrink stuff down right you know between you know so it's like these guys are some of these guys are absolute geniuses yeah, i can't well, do where's your do. shop uh, so we shoot in Manhattan Beach. Mm-hmm. So I've been there for five seasons now, and it's grown progressively. Like first season, we actually shut the shop down halfway through because I had a, a prop maker who said he could do stuff, uh-huh. and unfortunately, he couldn't. Right? He couldn't do what he said he could do. Yeah, and that was a huge bummer. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and, and, we, and also season one was tough. Season one was really tough, Amanda, because yeah. we didn't even know if we were going to make it. Right. So we shut the shop down, and then everything went to either Lonnie or or to Lewis. Right. You know, well, Mandalorian, I think, was. Um, I, I don't know if we're jumping too far. I, mean, I guess we, no, either no. way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Mandalorian, I think, in its own right, because like, I mean, that's a lot of risk right there. It's like it's uh, huge risk. Yeah, doing one of the first ever Star Wars, outside of the animated series, of course, which are, it's different. It's way, 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 way different. Um, so, I mean, you don't know how the fans are going to react. You don't know, 
if what you're making is going to be well received. So there, I feel like there's, I mean, and that fan base, one of the biggest fan bases in the world, you have to set a certain precedent. So everything has to be perfect. How is that pressure going in as a prop master? But you're also a fan, which I think is the best person that could end up going in and doing something like that, right? So I remember, um, actually, I wasn't even the first prop master hired on that job. Oh, okay. So there was another <laughs> prop master hired, and then that prop master had a conflict because he got hired for two different movies. Mm. And so I remember I was in, walking in the halls of ISS, and I'm talking to um, I'm talking to Greg, and I'm like, that's so crazy. How did he get both movies? You know, one's in Australia, one's here. He's like, you should come meet him. He's in Lewis's office right now. So I go say hi, and he's like, I should get your number. And a week later, <laughs> he wasn't on Mandalorian anymore. He was going to Australia, wow. and then I got a call. So I had to I had to actually go in though still and meet JF and John Favreau and and kind of pitch to him. So I was I able I hired an illustrator Paul Azimo mm-hmm. and I went to ISS and we looked at all these crazy old World War II guns. So we spent a week just drawing over because nice. I wanted to use the same methodology they used for the original movies. Right. So we found weird, unique guns that like weren't you know typical. Sure. And then we drew over and then I did this big presentation. So they were still finishing Lion King. So John had his office down in Playa. Mm-hmm. And I pitched, basically, I said, this is my vision for what I want to do for the show. Who did you talk to to get the references for what they did do in the original movies? Like, where did well, you get all that information? Some of it, you, I have a lot of books. I mean, I've, so because fair. I'm a fan, I have a fair amount of books that talk yeah. about it. There's also great websites. There's the RPF. And right. There's parts of Star Wars. Yep. So I use those a lot because there's, I mean, we're not the first people to like Star Wars. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so much material out there. It's like, why not take advantage of it? I mean, yeah, the, like, there's so many. And... You know, people have more time. If you have if you have a hundred people looking for one thing as opposed to one person, it's going to happen faster. And it's, exactly. it's been happening for years. So that I, I use. I mean, I definitely and I, I shout out to those references all the time because they're great. Yeah. And so they help me. And then you know, Carl. I worked with Carl, and he he totally hooked me up. And Joe and and they found some really cool weapons. And mm-hmm. then we like drew on top of them. And so I remember putting this stuff up, and I'm like. Is he gonna? Is JF gonna like it? Yeah, like you know, because yeah, sure. yes. Even though I'm a fan, there's still pressure. I want to make sure, of course, he's happy. Like I think it looks cool, but is he gonna like? Yeah, it? Yeah, of course. <laughs> and he, he, you know, he uh, came in the room, looked around, and he just gave me a big hug. And he's like, "I'm so happy you're here." Oh, wow. nice. And really? Then it's, and then it's been five years now, so yeah. it's like it's it's pretty awesome. He's he's a he's just a mensch. He's such a good guy. Yeah. And him and Dave Filoni are the best team you'd ever want to work for. Nice. That so. makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. And it's important, like you said, you know, I mean, you it's your vision that you walk in the door with, but if and if that vision isn't their vision, it's better you turn around and walk out the door anyway. Yeah. Right? You know, so I mean that's what makes it beautiful for you is to, that you guys are already on the same page. You have the same vision. So that's that's great. And yeah. I love that. And we also have um there's an, a fantastic so there's two people at Lucasfilm with the, the title is Executive Creative Director. So one of them is Dave Filoni, and mm-hmm. the other one is Doug Chang. Mm-hmm. And Doug Chang, and I don't know, I'm sure you know the name Doug Chang, but yeah. he's been there since the prequels, and he is just the most talented, one of the most talented guys I've ever been able to work with, and the nicest guy. And, I mean, he did, so I've been, when doing research, I've gone up to the archives maybe five or six times at right. the ranch and looking at original, you know, uh, Ralph McCorn paintings. You have to wear oh, white gloves. Yeah. You know? But like the original paintings, Doug Chang also has original paintings from the prequels that are just as stunning and beautiful. Wow. So they, working with him as well, just to make sure the aesthetic and the design all fits because it all has to match. Yeah. And so the, actually the biggest thing for me season one was the budget because I made a budget and my budget was 
I think it was, I, I said at one point, so the first episode, all, you know, because you're establishing a series. It's all brand new characters, right. all brand new weapons, yep. all this stuff. And I think the budget for the first episode was like six twenty. Well, you know, and they're like, that's your budget for the whole season. And I just, <laughs> I just laughed at them. I said, you're fucking kidding me. You know, and I'm yeah. just, and so, I mean, I'm like, there, like, there's certain things. There's, I'm not allowed to change what an E11 looks like. Right. Like, there's certain things that I have to follow certain rules yes. within the Star Wars universe. Yes. And they're like, we're not paying for that. I'm like, you have to pay for this. It's like it has. It's like I can't change that. I'm not. I'm not allowed to change that. Yeah, we've run into that well, a lot on this show. Yeah, to where yeah. we talk to some of the biggest problem from the biggest biggest shows, and continually, it's like it doesn't matter. Like the biggest budgeted show in the world, like there's that fight is always there. It seems. Well, season, season well, one, I don't know if we were. I don't know if we were. I mean, it was a lot of money, but also the volume. Like we did a camera tail. We nobody even knew if the volume was going to work. No, the volume. Were you guys the first show to do yeah. a volume? Yeah. Which is, I mean, for all of you listening at home, don't know what a volume is. A volume is basically a curved, humongous LED screen oh. that just shows the set in the back, the sets in the background. They're all digital background sets with some set well, pieces, right? That better, yeah. But there's actually 3D models. They're not just so it's not even just like a tra- like at first I thought, oh, it's like a translate. You right. Know, it's yeah. not. It's an actual 3D model. What they do is they put, it's called a frustrum. They put this device on the camera. So when the camera moves throughout the space, the right. actual model changes wow. and the lighting changes. Nice. And what they do is we have a very talented set decorator who's also been there since season one. Her name is Amanda Serino. And she finds certain objects. So like you said, there are set pieces. Like let's say you have a hallway. Right. And there's, right. Let's say there's 15 doors on camera. There may be three doors in real life and the other 12. Is that my math? Yeah, I think. The other 12 <laughs> are, are in the volume, right? Right. So what they have to do is build the doors beforehand do photogrammetry, scan them, do full 3D models so that the matches exactly in the volume. Well, So, I mean, that's the thing that people don't understand. There's so much work that has to happen before you shoot. Right. So we, we actually have quite a I mean, she has a very lengthy prep period. I have a very lengthy prep period. Right. Like, what was your prep period? Uh, I get 16 weeks. 16 weeks, all right. So let's get back to 620. How did you work that out? We just kept going. I mean, I'm like, look, you just got to... I just said we got to start because one of these things is like if you start like are they really going to say no right you know and then the thing that killed me on it so season one they add this um, flamethrower trooper like incinerator trooper mm-hmm. <laughs> this is back before COVID so we're, we used to actually have production meetings sitting around a table you know you have like all the department heads and John and Dave were like we were so excited we got this new character we got an incinerator trooper I'm like awesome this is so great and they just added something so I go to the UPM and I said hey they just added this character and so I got to make this new flamethrower how much money do you have for that he goes oh you got to figure that out <laughs> I said it doesn't work like that <laughs> no it, it doesn't says, it's like if they add something you have to give me more money right and he's just like hmm. so but, then I went to okay. basically uh, John Favreau's producers and I said hey this isn't working so mm-hmm. then the producer got yelled at me but guess what I got my money yeah, you have to. It's like, well, that's just it. That's the game, and, and, and I, yeah, I don't like, dude. Game. I just I don't been, like it. No, I know, and I just went through that. I'm not going to name names, and I'm not going to name the film, but I just was on a big film where we were arguing about discussing about labor. It, it wasn't even the the budget, the prop budget, but just the labor for this thing that was both period and historic. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, it was mat- getting, matching the period, but also matching things that happened in actual history. Okay. And their numbers were completely off. And they admitted that the numbers that they got from the studio were not great, but it's like, but then they didn't want to negotiate in any other way. And they were like, you know, no, this is what you have to do it for. 
and it was just such an exercise of frustration yeah. for me where it's like, and, and just like you said, I know that at the end of the day, what they agreed to and what the actual budget's going to be at the end of the, is going to be different. And it's kind of a game you have to play with them. But for me, it was about the attitude that was coming at me about it. Um, that made me pull out of the project because it's like, uh, I don't want to do this for seven months where I'm going to have to fight with somebody and whose final thoughts about matching things historic was, Oh, well you just need to get close. I'm like, yeah. I don't do close. No, if we're going to do it, and if I'm yeah. going to do it, like we're the same thing. I, I want to do it right. Right. And so I'm fortunate that the person that was there season one left after that season. Mm-hmm. And it's, got, I mean, it's gotten a lot better. And also they saw the quality of what we were able to create for them. And right. they were happy. I was right. going to say, but, do you think that's something that's just, it, it's it's dependent on the show or it's dependent on the UPM, like who is, is handling that distribution like 100%. is it always is it always going to be that or is there any show factor that's going to come into play for that well i think that it the upm makes a huge difference yeah who massive that, difference definitely who that definitely. person is you know because there are upms who like all they care about is the budget mm-hmm. and, and and that's what their bible is okay and then there are upms who understand that they're making art okay and that you know the best upm marries the two together you know and you could decide and figure out what's most important, what's not, and work with your creators. You know, again, this UPM who I'm talking about had no respect for anybody. Yeah. Okay, not clearly not what I did. At one point, he basically said to me, listen, I don't really care what you think the budget should be. I'm telling you what it is, and you have to prove to me that you could do it for that. I'm like, okay, well, that's... Well, then I can't. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly what I, I ended up saying. But... You know, so, and to me, it it felt like, and often in these cases, it feels like there's this disconnect between the creative side and the money people. You know, the UPM is the money person. And so, and like you say, at the end of the day, what you have to do is you have to touch that creative stone and say, well, you know, and again, for them to say, well, you have to figure it out. It's like, well, me figuring it out is going to the creative people and saying, do you want this thing? Yeah. And they're saying, I yes, of course they do. do. <laughs> then, yeah. then go tell them that, you know, we have to come up with the money for it. I guess, um, I think we're in a, a similar situation now where it's, at this point of my career, I we almost interview them more right. than they interview us. There you go. Because like, just like you said, I don't want to spend seven months fighting with this person. Nope. I don't want to either. I, I don't, I don't want to do a project. Yeah. You know, because at some point Star Wars is going to end. I get it. I got, you know, I'm supposed to theoretically start in January. Right. I'm supposed to start season four of Mando. We're hope, hope everything looking good for that. You know, we'll see what, you know, obviously I don't count on anything until it actually happens. Right? Yeah. Especially so, with London kind of coming in and well, no, I mean, it's, taking it's, a lot of the Star Wars stuff. It's, it's going to be here for sure. It's okay, just, it's just the ahead. date. Nice. It's just the, you know, I, I don't know if I'm, I mean, it's been a long, it's been a rough year. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm loving January. Please, like, you know, <laughs> no, so I'm, I'm, but it's, um, sorry, I tapped the table. You're good. You're good. It's, it's reverberating wood. through the industry. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, that's after, yeah, it's going to end at some point. And so it's like at the next one, like, you want to find, like, what is something that I actually, because I'm, I am going to put my heart and soul into something. It's exactly. Like, what am I going to want to spend a year doing, 11 right. months doing? It's a, that's exactly right. And again, it's nice when you when you get to that level in your career where you can pick and choose stuff. Because again, uh, I, I am not unconscious of the fact that a lot of people can't pick and choose projects. They get a project and you just, you know, it's part of the school of hard knocks, I guess, is having to deal with situations like that where you just have to like make it work. 
you know, yeah. to build your career or whatever. But it sure is and nice. And that's important too. That is important. 100%. And because again, that's how you learn. You know, that's how you learn how to deal with UPMs who are unreasonable and, you know, in situations and figure out, oh, okay, well, they said that this was going to happen, but at the end of the day, it really happened anyway. You know, you, I, I understand that when they're green lighting a project, they have to hit all their numbers. Okay, and once the, but once the train leaves the station, nobody's going to turn it around, so all of a sudden they find more money. And so there there is a little bit of game that has to be played with that. But again, for me, it's about who the people are that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know if you feel like they're on your side and they respect what you do, then you can make anything work, really. I've been I've been on a show for a couple of years with the UPM and live producer that trusts me, and it's very easy to work with, doesn't question me, and does a lot of things. But I think I'm also one of the people that you were just mentioning. Like, I, I don't really always get to choose my projects. And I kind of, as comfortable as I am, I do want to step out because I feel like it's going to polish me up sure. for when I do better negotiating. Because it's not a battle right now. Right. Um, uh, be careful what you wish for, though, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do hope... Um, I hope that because of what's happened with the past year and everybody not working, I still hope people don't take it. I mean, I know they're going to, I feel like people yes. are going to try to take advantage. Yes. And I think it's really important that we don't let ourselves be taken advantage of. 100%. You're absolutely right. Because again, not to get back into strike territory, but you know, when our contracts are up in July, there's not going to be a big appetite for striking. So I, mean, I don't know if I have the financial right. means. Well, exactly. To, <laughs> I mean, 100%. Honestly, so, so we kind of start have to, we kind of, kind of start, Wait, what am I trying to say? We kind of have to start. That's the word. Yeah. Um, negotiating for ourselves and, you know, and standing up for ourselves and together collaboratively, you know. Started in the PMG. We're starting to well, roll that stuff are. out. So <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, but yeah, um, let's talk more Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But of course. Um, so... When you when you jumped on to Mandalorian, obviously this was a new thing. And then when the season ended, did you did you know that you guys were going to come back before the season ended? For yes, like a, we yeah. knew we were coming back. Yeah. yeah. So um, I would that that's the only time I jumped. I did do so. I took my assistant at the time, Yang, and we went and did reshoots in Atlanta on a movie called Chaos Walking. Hmm. And I really was just curious after doing a year on Star Wars. I was like, oh. Daisy Ridley. I want to see what she's like. So it was Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland and wow. Doug oh. Lyman. So I just wanted to like check it out. So it was like six weeks in Atlanta. But other than that, we knew we were coming back. So did you did you know about any of the other spinoffs like with, that that happened? They had before? talked about it. I mean, they, they and then recently, I mean, they have. There was like a seven project timeline. They've talked about. They've talked to me and other you know people about. So we are close to the end of that. Right, but they did announce this year at celebration, so I was fortunate enough. Um, so one of the things I've negotiated, I, mean, I guess let me bring this back to you. So working for Doug, I learned a lot, and Doug is a big motorcycle guy, and Doug's always like, "Look, take on as much as you can because that's going to help you out in the long run." Hmm. So like we built the motorcycle uh, for Tom Cruise on Oblivion. We built the motorcycles on Men in Black on Oblivion. We built these huge um, uh, drones, but these massive drone props. Right, and because of that. Because of that, I got sent to South by Southwest with a drone for a week. Nice. To do basically nothing. To like turn it on, like hang out and have some drinks. You know, it was great. To take a lot of this stuff on though, because I I know there's like, I feel like this is one of those things in those meetings that you sit, that there's multiple different departments that could take it on. Is it just you raising your hand first? Is that kind of how? Sort of. So, So for season one of Mando, 
because it was so new and mm-hmm. they, they had some assets coming over from London, but they were kind of like, they, they were trying to figure it out. They like the, the budget, they didn't have enough money. They didn't have, there's no transportation department. There's picture cars, right? There's right. speeder bikes. Well, who's building that? So I said, I'll build it. You know, droids. Right. Droids are not a prop at all. Right. Um, but I said, I, I love droids. Yeah. So I said, I'll take the droids. Good so, for you. So we took the droids and we worked with Legacy. With right. Legacy, but Legacy had their hands full with Grogu. You know, and that's yep. that's a huge character puppet. And I mean, Legacy, I, I get along with those guys very well. I, I, I remember meeting Stan Winston on Indiana Jones 4. And, uh, and I, I love creature effects. I, sure. I always love that stuff. But they're great. I mean, just amazing guys, great puppeteers, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so they did that, and then we would build the droids. HPR built the first IG-11 uh, that's in the show, you know, and then we had the Legacy puppeteer it. Right. But because of that, sorry, where was I going with this? Does Legacy, well, I was going to say, I, know where you're going. Like, I, I, I think I know where you're going to do, because you started to pick up the droids. What was Legacy's reaction to that? Because historically, like, they probably have taken care of everything for that, right? They couldn't. They, I mean, they, they didn't, there so, wasn't enough money. So part of it was, like, we were able, we were doing it cheaper. And so I guess um, what I was what was the original question? Sorry. The, the original question was about um, taking on more responsibility. So I, I like taking on more responsibility. What that actually allowed me to do, in, and this is part of the negotiation, improving yourself, same way you like, yes. once, once you get in a door, yeah. just keep it open. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully everyone, you know, you get, if, once, if that door gets open, just like, I put my foot, I just <laughs> like, yeah. stick, keep it open. So we took over Droid Season 1, and then I started driving R5. Mm-hmm. But I said, I'm, if I'm driving a character, I should be a puppeteer. And they wouldn't pay me as a puppeteer. So right. But season two, I said, hey, yeah. you know, I knew we were coming back. I said, if we do this, I need to get puppeteer days. There you go. And they said, okay. Yeah. Well, and that's the point. And that's the key right there. And I agree with Doug Harlecker on this as well. It's like, it's not about pushing, you know, that's not my job. You take, the more you take on, the more invaluable you become. Okay. And, it, and you become more of the creative team. So I'm a big proponent for that as well. And, you know, and then again, you may have to take, make some concessions in the beginning, but then once you become indispensable to them, then all of a sudden you can ask for more and get more. My, and they want to give it to you. My trailer and kit rental was knocked way back. I mean, I, I was almost 50% of what I normally make season one. Wow. But then, but then we worked it back up. Right. I mean, also because of the show, I've been. I'm now in SAG. I'm a SAG performer. Yes. The, I did the, a co- being a puppeteer, is that what got you into SAG? Yeah. Oh, very cool. So, yeah. you know, dri- I mean, basically driving droids, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, pretty good. <laughs> you know, we've taken, and then on Ahsoka, we built Chopper in-house. So Jeff Jingle, uh, who's a SAG performer, he, you know, he built it. He works as a 44 prop maker as well. And then the two of us, we puppeteered on set. Yeah, you, then, you puppeteered Chopper? Yeah. That's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, so they, they, that's why they, I got sent to London. So, I mean, Luke, Lucasfilm has been great. They're helping as much as they can. Um, with me during the strike, so I got sent to London for ten. Bah. I got sent to London for ten days during celebration. I was supposed to have Chopper at celebration here in Anaheim, of course. So that was the premiere of Chopper. The one time I got COVID, which was like such oh, a bummer. Jesus. Oh, the the celebration that was here yeah. two years ago. Yeah. So oh, yeah, like, yeah. it was like, oh my god, it was such a bummer because like we had just built, we had just built him. He had his first day on set. We shot with him. We had made this amazing experience down there called the Mandalorian Experience, where we brought. All these costumes and props, and set it up in Sandy, uh, Anaheim, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. And I'm like, this is so exciting. I'm talking to Disney. We're getting all a special thing. We're going to do this performance. And then I show up to set, and I'm like, I feel a little funny, but I think I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> and then I, you, know, you have to you know, do your nose yes. swabs every morning, or like every, and then 
They're like, I get the phone call, Josh, you got to leave set right away. I'm like, what? What happened? He's like, you've got COVID. I'm like, motherfucker. Because right? I'm just like, exactly. I'm spo- so then like Filoni calls, he's like, and then he's like, oh my God, I'm so, maybe that's also what helped get me to London. Great. I mean, but they, and so because I couldn't do it that first year, and then it sent me to London for 10 days this year, which was awesome to nice. be chopper on stage. And, yeah. And that was also great just to, you know, I got to see Ray one last time before he passed, which was mm. cool. And um, it's just like, and that celebration is awesome. It's so much fun. Oh, so yeah. Fun. I went to the one in Anaheim. Did did, did they have a chopper understudy to, to puppeteer? Well, so, Jeff, so Jeff and I do it together. Oh, so, gotcha, gotcha. So Jeff normally drives and I do the head. So there's, the head has more um, movement than a normal astromech. Yeah. And then we have a third puppeteer that does the arms. So that's where Mikey Manziel will take over for us too. Got it, got oh. it, got it. Um, that's cool. Yeah, that's... It's amazing and taking on Chopper's pretty iconic to the um, animated series. It's essentially, I mean, probably just as famous as R two D two if you consider the animated series. So, like at super fans, it's a huge appreciation so that, for so that. Was my probably one of my most favorite days ever. So, we, at the end of season two, we have Mark Hamill, and it's a secret shoot because no one's supposed to know Mark's there. Right. right so right, they right. had it called Plo, Plo Kloon. And we had painted an astromech green and white, and we followed this other guy down the hallway. And I was like, oh, it's Plo Kloon. They put dots in his face. Like, they're going to swap it out. Then we had a very small crew, like 15, 20 people. We had Mark Hamill come on set. and Everyone else was doing something else. And then I get R2 shipped. So it was one of the R2s from the sequels. Right. So um, Porsche, uh, and they, they basically sent it down to me. So I'm driving R2-D2 with Mark Hamill you know, for the finale. <laughs> and I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Right? I'm like, this is like, it's the best. So like, yeah. But, so, and then like, you know, I guess what's also really fun and it's fun to talk about is, like you said, the, from animation, taking stuff from animation and making a live action. I'd never done that before. Yeah. So that's actually, I don't know if you, if you're, you know, so no. that's super cool. No, yeah. When your reference points too, because I feel like, I feel like, I mean, you you did have to help match and, and create new of some of the most iconic props in the world uh, from the Star Wars series, but at least those references are real references. Building from animation, I feel like must be so difficult because, I mean, you have to make it not look animated in real life, but make it still cool and right. Like, like so, the Dark Saber season one, the and Dark, the Dark Saber, Saber right? Ended up become, you know, playing throughout all. Of the Mandalorian right. seasons. So the Darksaber in the animated show is very blocky. And the reason for that, it's cost. It's the modeling cost. So it's cheaper for them to make a model like that that's easier to render. Right. So then, um, and these are the, these are the, we're, this is the fun part of our job. You have exactly. discussions with Doug Chang and you yeah. have discussions with Dave and John. And like, you know, how do we translate this animated prop right. into a live action? Yeah, prop? exactly. What's the material? And then we start playing with it. And then, you know, so I was fortunate enough to have a full-time illustrator. So we had a full-time illustrator and we're drawing. And then, you you know, we also have 3D printers. And so that's also something Doug's taught me a lot. You do as many prototypes, do as much stuff as you can so people right. see what it is yes. uh, along the step of the way. Because the last thing you want to do is have this drawing and then show them a final thing. And all of a sudden, like, that's not what right. that drawing Especially like. with all the costs going into it because yeah. these are not cheap things <laughs> but that's but that's also so it's so it's so much fun to me like you, you know you do like one of the first things we do is you get a 2d illustration approved right after the 2d illustration approved then we do scale and so the cheapest way to do scale is i just take foam core and you spray them out and mm-hmm. you just go to the copy machine 10 percent larger 50 you, know, you just start making a bunch of different sizes you right. start putting your hand you start playing what do you think you know and start feeling it yeah once they pick a scale then we do a 3d print so mm-hmm. we actually know that this works Right. Sometimes you tweak that. Then once you have that made, then you can start manufacturing. Right. 
But I mean, that's it's just fun. like that's I me. Mean, it's fun. Yeah, you know that I love. You know, we do product design. Right. But we do product design in like a week when normal people or normal companies have like years to right. develop these things. Yeah, exactly. And so, what's your process of like budgeting something like that from like from uh, like a, an illustration all the way through the different model stages? Well, because I've done it now for a little bit, I can kind of tell. But a lot of it, some of it's just mandates. You know, I just right. know that like I know I need a week for the illustrator right. to do this. And then I know I need, you know, now I know, you know, how you probably use a third of a tank of resin to do, you know, a nice, mm-hmm. so like, so we've been able to over the year, uh, over Trial the five seasons, yeah. but I mean, the, definitely the first season, you know, I was, when I was budgeting, I was using prices as much as I could of what it would cost to go to a shop to do stuff. Mm, and that's right. also changed. It's also different if we're doing stuff in house. Right. Right. So, Absolutely. but labor is actually, labor is probably, you know, labor is definitely way more than materials. Yeah. But oh, you, yeah. <laughs> but if you have the right guy, like the right machinist, they can take a block of aluminum and turn it into the most beautiful lightsaber you've ever seen. Wow. Amazing. So, Is that how most of your lightsabers are built? Just up with a block of aluminum? That's well, your starting base? Well, or, that's your, or, that's your, uh, or a tube. You know, you buy a tube and then you start, yeah, you just start shaping. Yeah. Or the base I mean, of a speed graphic. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's, I mean, we, on Ahsoka, we built 12 unique styles of lightsabers and then we did multiples of those. But they were, I mean, they came out so gorgeous. And we were able to put them on display at San Diego Comic-Con. And I, what I loved is actually just kind of sitting back and watching people go into the booths. And they got these gorgeous little pedestals with lights. And, you know, they put little plaques. And, yeah, oh, my God, it's so cool. Just, I just like, I like to, because at the end of the day, yes, I'm a fan too. But I want to see what other people, like, we, I'm right. making this for other people to be happy. Yeah. And, to watch the fans come in and just like, and then we had Chopper on display. And we had the, the T6. And we had the Loath Cat. And it was just, like, it was just awesome. So, yeah. And I mean, that's half the reason why we're here is uh, just so you know, not San Diego Comic Con, but LA Comic Con by the time this drops will be next week. So, uh, Josh is going to be on a panel there. Nice. <laughs> I just want to make sure we announce that. <laughs> um, Josh is going to be there on a panel talking about Star Wars. I believe yours is Sunday, Sunday at noon in room 308 AB. Um, so, He's going to be up there with um, Brad Elliott, who did Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then you'll be, what is it, John Bush? John Bush. John Bush is there, who helped make a lot of your props. Is so that- he's an illustrator, uh, foreman. He's also, you know, he worked on Obi-Wan. He also worked on Ahsoka and Mando uh, season three. And I think it's Bethany, who's Brad's assistant. Who's Correct. the fourth person. So Correct. I haven't met Bethany yet, but it's going yeah. to be a fun panel. I'm excited. It's going to be an awesome yeah. panel. So they're going to be answering all props, and then you can come up and actually ask them questions yourself, and they'll answer it. So make sure you come check us out. But we're, we're also going to have a booth for that, and I'm so excited for the exact same reason that you just said, is to see actual fans come up to the booth and, like, yeah. and show some stuff um there's going to be a screen used r2d2 there also so we'll be able to see it's not going to be riding around or anything like that but you'll be able to see it nice. <laughs> take a picture next to it if you want nice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so so yeah we're we're super pumped about that and everything like that um i do want to talk about droids a little bit more we talked about uh chopper and everything like that but uh i don't think what a lot of people realize with especially the the tv shows I think more than anything is almost all of the droids from all those shows are almost all practical. Is that correct? That's true. And one of the things that Dave and John, and we try to do is all the props too. Like um, they want something there. And so 
they want to actually and not just an orange ball. No, <laughs> yeah. no and they they want to have and then VFX loves it when we have something there. Sure. We, we do full size maquettes sometimes for something that we know is going to be a VFX thing. Mm-hmm. We did this on we started this. On, you know, people do it for other movies too. Right, but just to work. have that reference because because mm-hmm. you know when they're done with a shot, VFX will come in and they have their ball and they do, you know balls and charts and blah blah blah. You know, but then if right. you actually have the reference of what like let's say it's a little drone that's flying around, you have right. that there. They love and I love you know. I worked on Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie. Right. Um, I all, I remember seeing Jurassic before when Jurassic World was coming out. I saw Jurassic, we, Jurassic Park had just been re-released. I see. I went and saw it on the big screen. Nice. It was like the anniversary screen. Sure. Because there are real creatures in that. It holds up. Right. Amazingly, it still looks good today. And I think that's this, one of the reasons why we are building as much practical stuff as possible. Whether it's um, something that has to extend, whether mm-hmm. it's sabers, whether it's droid pieces, whether it's, I mean, or actual droid puppets. Even if it ha- can't do 100% of the action that they want, if we can do 70% of the action right. and then VFX enhances it, yes. it looks so much better. Absolutely. It's better performance you'll get from the actors, yes. too, to be able to interact with something. Like, try interacting with an orange ball and yeah. then actually put something with a face like C-3PO or Huang in, in, yeah. in Ahsoka. Like, I think that's all the difference, especially with a character that actually has so much personality. I mean, I'm going to say the same thing. This is maybe controversial, but I think it's the same thing for blanks. I think blank firing weapons are affect the performance way better. Yes. 100%. So anytime you can give an actor something to react to, to work with, and that's half of what we do is like our, you know, our yes. job is like, how do we help you tell your story? How do we help you get the best performance? Character you can? development. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that. So I, I so I, Yes, there are some droids that they say we don't want to build at all. Just like the pit droids, they said we're just not going to do it. We right. don't want to spend the money because they know that's it's so much movement that we'll never do. But we built a little BD droid, so it's like, so like I I I, I always try to build as much as possible. Yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah. It only helps you in the long run, and it certainly helps the actors. Yeah, it totally helps the actors. Yeah, and in in your case, VizFX for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And we are very fortunate. We have, you know, ILM is an amazing company. We've had the same VFX team pretty much th- since season one. We've had a, a lot of the same crew members, department heads. And so it's the other thing. So this is interesting for me. I, I've done features mostly before this, mm-hmm. you know. So you do a feature, you meet, you know, you may meet, oh, yeah, you know, here's my buddy Rafi, you know, the gaffer. And like, you do, you're kind of in this little circuit. You meet him, you know, you may see him a couple movies down the line. Right. But you're still like, you do a movie in Atlanta, then you're in Hawaii, then you're in New Orleans. You keep traveling. You don't always have the same group. Right. I'd never done television before. Yeah. And this is the first time I've had the same group of people yep. for five seasons. Yeah. It's actually pretty awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> it's pretty cool because <laughs> it's it's you know, it's the one of the best families I've ever yeah, had. Well that's the beauty of television for yeah. sure, because you, you do you create you create a family and you create a vibe in, in a second language that you know, it, it's amazing from again, you know, I did uh, eight seasons of Brooklyn nine nine. From season one to season eight. I mean, people get married, they have children. Yeah. I mean, people and, get divorced, and they get divorced, and exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, just any, but yeah. but life happens, and like, how cool is it that you're there for your right, your friends, exactly. Your and you know, and again, in just the work environment, it's just second nature. You know, everybody knows the personalities, and you know what you you can do and you can't do, and it, it's a beautiful thing. You know, until it ends, and then it's horrible. Then it is like losing a, a family member. Yeah. But, so. But I mean, right now we still have season four, so we you know we take it one show, one season yeah, at a time. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. But it's it's a great it's a great family. We really have it's such a great group of people. And again, I think it starts at the top. I feel very fortunate to have 
you know, two showrunners that are just amazing. Yeah. They're fantastic. Have you heard anything of Ahsoka season two also? <laughs> he shrugs. That's, yeah, that's what I figured I would get. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, I'm hoping that they, a lot of that work does stay in LA specifically because, yes. I mean, I, I, I've gotten calls to come help you out a couple times, but unfortunately I've been prop right, mastering things right. every single time because it's still like on my bucket list to at least do a day on something Star Wars. Sure. We had um, Chuck McSorley come down just because, you know, his so his son works for us. Uh, I love Bryce. He's great. And Chuck came down, and, and so we gave him the tour, and he saw the shop, and he saw the gold. Because we have two gold. I mean, nothing fits in my trailer. I, I, I'm I shouldn't say this, but I mean, like, it's fortunate to have a trailer in it, but I can't, you know, I don't really use it much because, I, I mean, we have so much stuff sure. now after five seasons. I've never had this much stuff yeah, before. Yeah, I know. So we have Goldroom A, we have Goldroom yep. B, then we have manufacturing, and then, yep. you know, my trailer is just like over, my trailer is basically my regular kit. Right. Which we, ne- we can't, you know, there's no cop belts in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no self, you know. But you need a home base. Yeah, but I have a home base. Yeah. So we use it for that. And you're sure. But I have, I have so much stuff now. And so it's like, he got the full tour, and he's like, this is, you know, and it's, yeah. and, We've been very fortunate because um, we have, I think, done what they've wanted. We've made some amazing stuff, and every year we get to grow a little bit. Yeah. And so now I feel really set up. So I, I yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like we have a, a, fa- a fantastic um, infrastructure here right. in Los Angeles. So. Well, and see, that's the thing too. I mean, and there's a lot of been a lot of talk about, you know, if the strike goes on any longer, you know, the, all this business is going to leave town and everything. But a lot of studios have invested a lot in Los Angeles and a lot of new studio space and all that. So, you know, there, there's, I think, you know, there's a better than good chance that a lot of work's going to stay here. I mean, Hollywood's always going to be Hollywood. I yeah. don't think you can ever take the Hollywood out of Hollywood, you know, for sure. You can try to save money by shooting more other places. Which well, yeah. Happen, but. And a lot of actors and directors and writers want to stay home too, you know? So that's part of it. I mean, I like staying home. I yeah. like staying in my own bed. You know, <laughs> exactly. I mean, there, there is, although I will say it's, it's been five seasons now and I know like, so when they sent me to London, I'm like, oh, that's what traveling's like. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. I just did a commercial in Vegas. I went for two weeks. What commercial was that? It was for uh, Hilton. So okay. For the F1 with Lando Norris. Oh, nice. Um, but it was just like, it is kind of fun sometimes to like go on location, get yeah, per diem, get sure. the hotel room. And, it gets old fast. Yeah. Because you're working. I know. You know, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah when you when you go over to like disneyland to like galaxy's edge is, is it like it's galaxy's edge is it underwhelming for you after being on all this so stuff? i'd never actually been to disneyland you until, haven't until this year oh until this oh, year got it, so got it. what i said to lucas when i said hey come on guys like hook a brother up <laughs> and so finally they got me four tickets which was amazing so I, I took my two daughters and i took a friend of mine who's an ad because we need someone to wrangle us right so lena came and uh we, we had a great time so galaxy actually it's pretty awesome yeah <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing and that ride is so good how old are your so daughters, good, how old are your right? daughters? Uh, 10 and 12 nice and so i actually i did a commercial for rides resistance three years ago i think and so we ha- we had Keith Ferris who built the lightsabers for all their lightsabers over there. So he came, we had Kylo Ren in the commercial. So he brought over the Kylo Ren saber. And that's actually where I started learning about all the technology. They'd already, I mean, the same thing. If the research, if the information's there, if the research is there, why reinvent the wheel? Right. So he hooked me yeah. up with all the different components and all the way they did it. And oh. we've, we've now since improved, it was awesome. And yeah, we, we basically had a bunch of, um, bunch of blasters and some lightsabers and we had a commercial at universal and we had the little cart with the droid driving around and 
And yeah, so I actually got to do that ride finally this year for the first time, and it's yeah. amazing. Wow, it's yeah, so it, good. it's um, Rides of the Resistance is probably the greatest ride I think I've ever been on. Yeah, I don't, I don't know any other ride that even comes. It's like it's like four rides kind of in one. It just plus, kept going. Like, it yeah. just kept. I, kept it just, I was like, it keeps going. It keeps going. It was like. Oh. And plus, it's like it's like they're they, like they have actors, and it's like an experience, and they interrogate you. It's like a whole thing going through worlds yeah. to. And it's thing. all live action. I mean, is there a VR elements to it? Um, no, not really. No, it's. I mean, you start off. I, I don't want to give too much away, but you 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 start off on a ship, and then they're bringing you to like this galaxy thing, and then your ship kind of gets gets taken over right. by the empire and okay. then they start trying to interrogate you then it ends on an actual like ride through but there's not really any vr or anything additional wow. added to that it's very very much live wow. it's all and, and the animatronics are fantastic wow. so i do we have you know over the five seasons uh we've worked with imagineering a little bit we've talked to them we show them stuff they show us stuff so that's also really neat to see how they do stuff for the theme parks hmm. bet. but it's um yeah, it's like the animatronics are, are really good. Cause I, I, so this is my first time at Disneyland, and uh, I, only, I went like two months ago. And I, so I did the Pirates ride. You don't have to do Pirates. Yeah, sure. of course. So you do, and, but you look at those guys, and you're like, oh, that's cute. Right. But then you unrise Resistance, you're like, oh, those guys are like, they're real. Yeah. So the technology has just improved. And I can imagine that there's, they got to have like a team of engineers that like work there full time because, you know, half the time props we build you know that we're lucky if they stay together for the shoot you know but for something that has to well they, they have a lot longer to build stuff too right you know so like yes like we have to just, sometimes i'm just like just last for an hour right <laughs> just exactly. last for an hour and then we'll get through it <laughs> 100%. you know uh, i mean i do like um when i can i true try, so the way that we try to do it is we'll do one with all of our blasters our new blasters and our new sabers we'll, we'll make at least one hero one out of metal so that way there's an archive. There's right. like, almost like a paint master. There's something that Lucasfilm can always have forever. Nice. Um, and then from that we do, uh, like, let's say you have to make 20 blasters for, then we'll have a, you know, we may, maybe one or two out of metal and then we'll mold it and then have a mold shop in house and we'll mm -hmm. cast the rest. Nice. So, Where did, do you know anything about like where the designs and stuff for the, um, for the, at Disneyland, the build your own lightsaber stuff came from? I don't. Uh, that I don't. So I know that one of the main things um, when we were building lightsabers, when we were building stuff for our show, is, is Filoni said, so Ahsoka. Ahsoka shows up in season two. Right, right. right? So, uh, I, and that's Dave's baby. You know, he loved, oh, yeah. he created that character. I mean, he, yeah. so he was very specific about those sabers. And he goes, the ones at Galaxy Edge are trash. They're way, <laughs> they just said they're way too big. They're way too thick. They're just not accurate. They're not elegant. Yeah, and they have to be a certain way. I think for kids to um, actually be able to build them and manipulate them, you know, and they sell the ones in the oh yeah, because you have to be able to put the kyber or, crystal yeah. and stuff in it and interchange them and do all that stuff. So it, and so one of the yeah, so one of the cost savings things I was once told is, yeah, you can get all these pieces from Disneyland for free. I'm like, yeah, but they're wrong. Yeah. So it's right. like, so I mean, that's I, I don't know where the design came for that, but I don't like for us. It's we had to be very specific and I, but I love that about like Dave it says he just has the vision and yeah. how much fun is it to work with that vision and and but that we went through a lot of iterations, a lot of revisions to make sure we got what he wanted with those sabers. Yeah, and the history of a lightsaber. I mean, in the original movie, actually, even in the the prequels, they never actually lit up on set. That's something that's newer, right? That started in the sequels. So it started with like you know the newer like the Daisy Ridley era, right? Yeah, the uh, even in um, 
the last ones they were because they did the last three or sorry the prequels were mostly, mostly Australia mostly you know, right, traveled right. a little bit they were metal blades they were metal blades like aluminum oh right. okay gotcha. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like aluminum so you know, you're like but they were actually like fencing you know and they would the blades would bend and then they would right. have to swap them out wow I remember so I, the one of the when I got to go to the archives my first time they had one of the original sabers from A New Hope and it was really it had reflective tape on it like the, and so huh. you know, like I was looking it said put your flash on and take a picture. And so uh, my shoes also in my New Balance I wear those crazy you know right. the, the dad New Balance shoes. Sure. Great set them. shoes. Yeah. Great set. They're fantastic set yeah, shoes. Yeah, yeah. But um so you could see oh, my my sneakers are glowing but then also the saber glows. It's wow. a, it's a great picture. So it was right cool. in front of the Death Stars like me and my buddy Jeff from high school and we we're just like yeah, it was great. Yeah. But they, you know so it's uh, yeah, that started with the sequels. Now the issue with that is um, because there's actually lights now inside, you know, a polycarbonate tube, that tube, if it gets too long and you want to have, you have to fit all the electronics inside because we actually do, you know, we remotely control the ignition. So it goes, right, right. You know, and I mean, it's amazing. It's great. But they, sometimes they bend a little bit when they're fighting. Right. And Hayden is like, when we, we got to work with Hayden on a soul game, he's physical. I mean, huh. He's a, I mean, such a nice guy. But he, right. like, when he, him and Ro are going at it, they're going at it. Yeah. Did they break a lot of blades? Well, they didn't break blades, but they, what happened is uh, for Filoni said they just, they bend sometimes because they're just hitting them so hard. So yeah. That's a right. correction they do in post. I see. So, Got you. So they have to fix the, the, the bend in post yeah. pretty much? Oh my God. Yeah. But <laughs> so, I mean, like, we were, we were, for, we did have a full lightsaber tech. Uh, we had so many saber battles in Ahsoka. We just had one guy, he was actually part of uh, Fixtures. Because we were closely with the, the uh, you know, the electrical department to make sure that they're doing what they they do what they have to do and i mean sometimes the solder would break but the, the blades wouldn't break hmm. but the, sometimes the actual connection for the right you know for the lights inside would break so maybe you guys could uh, uh confirm this i i saw this on a uh, an episode of antique rojo <laughs> some guy there was claiming that the original lightsaber for the original star wars was the base of a speed graphics camera that's true yeah so in England, uh, it was Roger Christian. Mm-hmm. He was the set decorator. So England, you know, I think you just had Barry on here, right? Talking. So yeah, the the the, the hierarchy is different over there. So Roger right. Christian, as the set decorator, they often sometimes, at least they used to, they would almost be in charge of the prop master. One hundred percent. And so he had found this Graflex, and I mean, if you buy a Graflex, it's pretty much like it's the saber. Yeah, there's, there's minimal alterations done to it. Yeah, amazing. That's yeah. Pretty, so, so of course I had a biograph like Yeah, of course. <laughs> just for research. For of research. course. <laughs> you know. But yeah, I mean, I think it was like six hundred bucks. But it's like if you can find them, it's it's very. Cool. I just saw one in an antique uh, store in uh, yeah. Agora Hills yesterday, and it, that made me think of it again. I think. Yeah, I mean, and if I you get, it, I was like, oh yeah, if I you can get that. one cheap, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. I mean, it, but the the other thing that happens now, like, so when I do this reference for parts of Star, like people know, like, oh, this is the you know the fader from this one thing that we used on the carbonite. Right now, you can't find them anymore, and the price has skyrocketed. Yeah, I'll people bet. know what they are. Yeah, we yeah. were very fortunate on Ahsoka. We had to make, we had to remake the. And I love this prop. It's the Hoth scanner. So like, um, when oh, Luke right. goes missing, like yeah. Han takes a scanner out, and he's looking. You know, and I was, I was like, this is like one of the. It's one of my favorite props of all time. It's such yeah. a cool. But nobody knew what it was. Right, and then on the, 
and the RPF someone had figured out it was two soap dispensers. <laughs> These like kind of cool soap dispensers, and, and they instead of being on the wall, they put them together this way. Nice. And then they knew what some of the other Greeblies were and stuff. And someone then had found like a box of these vintage soap dispensers that they have, I have 10 sets for sale. Wow. And we were able to nab one set. And between that and then going to the archives and when I go to the archives, I, I take a caliper and, you know, I do measurements to make sure everything's as accurate for certain things. Sure. I try to make it as accurate as possible to the original props. Right. Did you nice. see, did you see, it wasn't, a, it was the one show that's not, that, that you didn't, and or, um, they leaned into, cause there was like this big fan, um, prop humor it's like i i forget i i forget which movie of the originals it was but like i think as like they're like get going into the death star you have that one there's like one guy that's like running through and you can tell a prop master just like oh this looks good enough it's like an ice cream maker that's in the sun do you know that story yeah well we, we did that season one you did do that season one yeah so so well so it's will Rowe hood is the name of the character in star wars right and so it's definitely a vintage it's investment so in Bespin, uh, right? Yes, so yes. In Empire it's Strikes Back, when everyone's like, "We're freaking out," so he runs through with this ice cream maker. With the ice cream maker, it's celebration. They actually do something <laughs> called the the run of Willow Hood, and everybody dresses up in this outfit, and they all run around with their ice cream makers. That's brilliant. No, so, it's fans that like built it up, and like, yeah. they make Lego a Lego character of it, and you can play as it in the video. Like you play the guy. Like it wow. leans so deep into this guy. So Favreau loves this kind of stuff too, and that's yeah. why it's so much fun to work with these guys. So yeah. John had said, "We need to, you know, we want to make that like." Your Halliburton briefcase. We want to make that. Can't you know, like what is this thing? Yeah. And so we took that season one, and that was actually the challenge to figure out what is it. It's it safe, and how does it open up? Right. Yeah. And so we built it, and then we built it with these. At the time, we didn't have the actual um, capabilities to have them open on camera. So oh, we do right. we do a lot of this. Actually, we do a lot of this on our show just because of time. We'll do a before and after. Right. So if, for instance, with the Camtono case, you can. Do the codes. You can twist the top. And right. Then you pause, and then we you, from the closed version. Then right. you you open it up. Then you have the open version. Cut to a shot of their face. <laughs> VFX does the takeover. So sometimes do the you know they'll do that stuff. Oh, okay, great. But we don't always have the time or the money to do yeah. all the motorized. So and they love it. We just do an A and a B. Yep. Yeah, it looks so good, and it was awesome that the shows could just like because that's like I think those that's the prop things that fans like right. that's for the fans that that really. I mean, it's exciting. <laughs> oh, I love doing it. Yeah, I love doing that kind of stuff. And that's totally like a little Easter egg. That, and But that was John's idea. That's Favreau's idea. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's awesome. So they they, they the did help. let me pitch something, which was great. Let me pitch a couple of things. But one of the things that, so we had at the end of, I think it was at the end of season two. So we, um, we see um, Boba Fett go and he kills Bib Fortuna. Yeah. Right before his show. And I remember Bib Fortuna as a kid. And I'm like, God, he's got this really cool staff. That's going to be so great. I love that. So I talked to, so we have, you know, there's people that I can uh, talk to at Lucas. So I'm saying, hey, can you get me reference pictures of all the staff, you know, and they have these amazing archives. And so they started looking and go, we don't have any pictures of him with his staff on set. He goes, no, I, I swear he had a staff. And it turns out it was, I was thinking of the toy. Because I had the Kenner toy oh, as a little oh. kid. And the Kenner <laughs> so they just toy, sold his toy? Like they never showed him on screen? It was just the toy was sold? With the the, they, they, they just, yeah, so the character was on camera. Right, right. The staff that I remembered so vividly in right. my head was just a toy. They just added it. Yeah, and then John's like, that's a great idea. You got to make that. I said, okay, great. So we made the, sta- we made the Kenner toy Whoa. staff and then you know, just matched the Kenner toy and scale it up to real life. Right. So like that's the kind of, we that's ha- we're, brilliant. We're having a lot of fun like that I too, like that. kind of going like back and forth, you know. So it's yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's fun. 
so, yeah. I mean, uh, again, it's, it's, it's re- for me, it's such a rewarding job because I get to be so creative. That isn't and, that what it's all about, really? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I will say when I, so I, I did my last job on the, um, on the road. I did Venom. So I was in Atlanta. And, um, you know, I wanted to spend more time. My kids were getting older. Right. You know, I, I didn't want them. They were traveling with me for a long time. Like, my family came to Jurassic World. You know, they did four months in Hawaii. Wow. Then they came for right. Jumanji. They did four months in Hawaii again. And Venom, you know, they were getting older. They were like, you know, they want, they want, they want to have friends. Sure. So they didn't travel. So I'm like, yeah. I got to get a job in town. Yes. So I'm, well, I'm like, what What a job. Well, I'm like, well, I, I was nervous. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to, you know, and no disrespect, but I didn't want, like, I wanted something that would have a fabrication job. And I was worried that I wasn't going to find a fabrication job in town. Right, right. You know, so... I'm so fortunate that I actually yeah. found something that, because I, I do think that that's something that I'm I'm good at. I'm good at designing stuff and, yeah. and making sure that it's built right. And because it also, I mean, we joke, but it does have to. If it doesn't last the take, you know, one is none, right? right? So if you build something, it could be the coolest thing in the world. But if it does, like, yes, let's say the actor breaks a take one, right? You're you know yeah, you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, you are fucked. <laughs> so I mean, so I mean, that's also something you you you. It comes with you know learning like yes. Make sure you have six of this, and make sure you have the soft rubber one. Make sure you have the hard rubber one, and make yeah. sure you have the one you know. And so, make sure you have enough. That's always I mean, the yeah. challenge, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> that and your budget, right? Yeah, trying to. Yeah. But that's the nice thing about having the shop now, and having the shop yeah. and being like, oh, you have the mold. Look. Just cast two more. Right. Yeah. Because at that point, it's not that much more money. Yes. Um, before we, we wrap up uh, uh, Star Wars stuff, I just want to talk about, um, just to build off that piggybacks of droids again, um, Hugh Wang specifically, <laughs> because that was one that was super impressive to me. Did you have anything to do with the, the build of, of I wish I, I wish I could say I did. That was all Legacy. Legacy just knocked it out of the park with that. Super out of the park. But what's really cool is that they do, and I believe it's called Boon Raku style puppetry. So what they do is they have my buddy mm. Mike Manzel. He is in a gray suit and he walks behind it. So he has rods. So they connect like his legs and his arms to Hu Yang. So he'll walk and do like this and then Hu Yang's arms will move. It's like, I can't remember, like, there used to be this, like, Michael Jackson street performer that would have, like, five Michael Jacksons, and they'd all do... Oh, right, 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 right. I remember seeing those videos. Yeah, no, It's like that. So, like, so they then digitally remove him, and then Hu Yang does all the walking, and then they have the head on remote control, and then the eye. So you have, like, four puppeteers operating that guy. I mean, same with Grogu's four puppeteers. I mean, it's amazing. Grogu's four puppeteers? Yeah, you have one person does the body movements, one person does the ears, one person does the eyes, one person does the mouth, and, you know... It's a jazz band. I'm yeah. watching those, and <laughs> and I love those guys. But they're the four biggest puppeteers in the world. They're just big dudes, and so like you can't hide them anywhere. Right. So it's like you know, Grogu has to hide under a table, and my my poor buddy's like trying to hide under a table. It's just like it's, just, it's wow. fun stuff. But no, I, I wish I could say who Yang, but no, that was uh, we did Chopper and we did all the R five stuff for season three. I was really proud of that. What's fun with that is we built five different R fives, all for different functions. So we had one that was a 323 droid. We had one that had the scomp link. We had one that had the rocket boosters. We had one that was just a stunt droid that we could drop from different things. So that's also where, you know, all this stuff's a la carte. All this stuff is built even with certain, you know, certain props. You, you, know, you can only fit so much servos into something. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, your, your, um, your, your gold room after hours with all those droids probably must be pretty creepy <laughs> in the dark, huh? It's a, it's a lot of fun. We put the music on, get yeah. the lights going. You know, my droids love tequila, I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic, yeah. 
Um, do you have anything else that you're like, yeah, you want to do? Yeah, that's my question. Like after this, or did you feel like you've Since met the everything gamut? you dream of comes true? What well, you... it's funny. I was telling, uh, I was telling my friend this the other day. I'm kind of like, I don't know what I'd want to do. I mean, I, I, this is this has actually been one of the best, if not, no, this is the best, you know, prop master job I've ever had. Right. And it's great, and I want to continue it. There's, I'm crossing my fingers. We'll see what happens. There, you know, they have announced there's a Dave Filoni movie. That's going to culminate the Mandoverse, which is what I started season one. So we'll nice. see what happens. You know, I, I do think that's not going to be shot here. I think it's going to be shot in the UK. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm crossing my fingers. Right. Um, but, you, you know, um, I think it'd be really fun to just do something totally different after this. Right. Like, yeah. And I love science fiction. Um, I love science fiction. I love it. But it'd be really fun to do like a fun period movie or right. just something like, to- like, I don't know, something totally yeah. different. Yeah. Is there a uh, director that you have you'd like to work with? Let's see. So I've been I've worked. Uh, I want to work with my friend again. My friend's actually got some really cool projects. So uh, my friend Colin Trevorrow, who did Jurassic World, mm-hmm. um, I'm hoping we get to do a couple more projects together. Um, I've known him since college. Wow. Um, then we have. Uh, I mean, I've worked with. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Oh. I, I know who I really. I've never worked with Guillermo. Yes, Toro. I would oh, love right. to work That's with Guillermo. That's my guy. <laughs> so I mean, he's yeah. just like such a great. Right. I love his stuff. I mean, yeah. I've been fortunate to work with some amazing people, you know, and, and have developed some great relationships with some of them. Um, but yeah, bet. Guillermo, I'd love to work with for sure. For real. Um, and then I'm trying to think who else. I mean, there's new people coming. Up. Sure. I, I'd love to see some. You know, I, I haven't I haven't seen as many new directors out there. Right. You know, so. Yeah. You gained. You never know. As far as like for for Jean Favreau and um, Filoni and stuff like that, you've done something that a lot of prop masters hasn't been able to do. Is you've gained the respect to be able to get your own title card as a prop master. I think that in itself is that was pretty cool. I was so they didn't tell me that. That was a total surprise. That was a surprise. Yeah, I didn't know at oh, all. That's... So because I had I'd emailed them, you know, after getting into the PMG and said, Hey, you know, I just want to make sure we put the PMG after my name. And they said, Oh, the title's already finished, but we'll see what we can do. I said, what do you mean the title? This is just a thing. So I was like, yeah. And then, so, um, they had a, a event, a screening over at El Capitan. And so I went to the screening, you know, it's like that premiere ish, you know? Yeah. Right. And I'm like, Holy fuck. That's my, my name's on the big screen. <laughs> so, I was stoked. Did was they get the stoked. PMG in? Not on the first three episodes. Okay. I think it, it happens eventually wow. just because they'd already finished. Sure. I think it starts three or four. But on Ahsoka, the PMG was in the whole time. Wow, that's brilliant. So then they kept it on Ahsoka. So, I mean, it's, you know, I guess that means I'm doing a good job. It, it definitely <laughs> yeah. does. It so, definitely does. If they take the time to do that, that is. Because you know, that was not something key. I asked for. It's not, you know, I'm still trying to get a nice parking spot. So. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. No, I'll, t- I'll take that ridden. over the parking no, spot. No, it's so. a huge sign of respect and uh, appreciation, I think. And I think that, like, uh, I'm hoping that that even helps, like, if other people see, the other producers and stuff yes. see that, that that sets a precedent. It's just like, yeah, that is to. also a show. It's like what you were saying either. It's like you make and design and yep. customize almost every single prop that you see on screen. And that amount of work, I think, yep. like it deserves its own title. I just you saw know? that in uh, The Killer, James Eddy. His, uh, his credit was first. Nice. No way. In the, uh, <laughs> below the line, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, the one, so... I mean, and I don't, you know, we did a, a photo shoot for, you know, a nice magazine. And they, you know, we had all, so it was a photo shoot with Ahsoka, Mando, Andor, and um, Obi-Wan. 
So we did a, so I'm prop mastering this photo shoot. And then they give credits to the costume designer, the hair and makeup. I'm like, what's up, bro? It's like <laughs> on the cover of the magazine, right. lightsabers. Yes. And you're not going to give me a credit? Yeah. So like, so that's why it's, it's something that I think is important. I think it's, you know, it's yep. one of the things which I, I do love about this organization. I yes. think it's important to get, you know, for people to know what we actually do. Exactly. And that's where we're heading, right? I mean, I mean, I think you said IMDb. IMDb. Soon. That's what that's I'm waiting huge. to find out. We're hoping, and it's it's I mean, it, it's we're hoping it's getting close. It's I mean, the talks are happening, and it's it seems like it's it's moving in the correct direction. So I think that's going to be a precedent. And then they're what they're letting more prop masters in the academy every year. Yep. So that's a big thing too. You know, that's great. I mean, because I, I know, like at least for the way that I've worked and you know, this is how Doug taught me, we, we have our own discussions. We have our own meetings with the directors. 100%. I don't, I don't necessarily work for the production designer. I work with the production designer. Yeah. Oh, totally. Right. But You're I don't work for the department. Yeah. We're our own department. We have our own budget. And you know, the nice thing is, um, Andrew Jones is amazing. And Doug, you know, Doug's our two prop you know, or production designer, excuse me. And they, on this show, they trust me, but other shows, like, yeah, I just, I, I, we have our own illustrators. We have our own fabrication. Yep. We do our own, we have our own meetings. Exactly. So I don't have to show the production designer right. what I'm doing. Sure. Now, I, I may want to just to make sure that it fits, but right. I don't have of course. to. It's a collaboration, yeah. but you are your own entity. Yeah. So Absolutely. That's, so that's why I, I think it's so important that IMDb recognizes that and yes, this guild exactly. and all this stuff. Cause it's, because the other thing that property masters do that most other art department people don't do is have a relationship with actors. And we have a strong relationship with actors. So, no, yeah, we work with everybody. I mean, <laughs> we work with every department. Every department. I don't know yeah. how many departments like us actually work with every department. Right. Exactly. I don't think there is another one. I mean, other than maybe the director. Maybe, yeah, or the, yeah, the ads. ADs. Yeah, yeah, or the ads. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's something to be. I said got a about nicer that. office than the ads. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I always do that too. I because I always put a lot into my office, you know, making my office look like a really nice place to be, yeah. you know, because oh. we spend a lot of time there and it is about image, you know, and we do show and tells in there and everything. So I always spend a lot of time making my office uh, a good place to be. And it's often, inspiration too. often I get feedback from like the producers or the UPMs like, man, your office is the best offices in this building. It's like, how did you get that office? Like, I don't know, you just gave it to me and I did it, but... You know, so it, I think it's an important. Well, it's lighting. You got to do the lighting, right? Yes. But then, but it is like when I'm sitting and I have to think about, okay, so you look, you know, we're lucky we have all the scripts normally before we shoot. That's nice. So we have all, like, we do eight episodes, we have all eight scripts. We have this amazing design scape that starts the design process from Doug Chang and his team of illustrators. Right. Then you just sit there and you got to think. And I need a space for myself Yeah. that's, um, inspirational yes. that's calm that's quiet where yes. i can actually be creative and just right. think and yep. you know so i can actually do my part of the job yeah I mean that's funny you say that because it's absolutely true and how many times have you on uh, you go into a film and they put you they're trying to shove you into this room with no windows you know and it's like oh, dude i mean you know we have we're creating in here too and yep. it's always a battle to get it and sometimes i've gone like off campus like i'll just have an office somewhere else <laughs> you know, <laughs> or I'd rather be on my trailer, yeah, or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. well, my, I feel comfortable in my trailer. You know, you, yeah. you make that's that's also the second home. So I feel so cozy in my trailer. Yeah. Like I built it to every like I, I just this is my escape. I can work here whenever I need to. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. 
Oh. Uh, I hope you guys learned something today. Or I don't know. Dude. Know, fun or <laughs> fascinating, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> it's my first time out here in the, in the boonies here. Okay. Oh, yeah. Out the Santa Clarita. Santa Clarita. The Prop Talk Studio. Prop Talk Studio. That's right. Exactly. Well, it's been really great having you out here. And thanks for making the long drive. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. On a rainy Saturday. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just want to say, I think I'm pumped about what everything that we just had a long uh, Prop Masters Guild meeting. And I think, like, just in the next year, we're about to, like, expand and and do lots of lots of great stuff. I think mean, we've done a lot of stuff in the past yeah. year. We've only been an uh, organization for two years. So we're still in our infancy, but we're growing. We're doing really, really well. We're expanding in uh, New York and Chicago, and we just opened up to Europe. Yep. So I just want to say that to everybody out there, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping eventually to see applications come in now. We're, we're kind of open everywhere. So uh, I'm ready to see applications come in from South Africa, from Australia, from New Zealand. Please go to our website at propertymasterguild.org and just apply, like reach out to us. We need volunteers. We need all that Big stuff. Time. So I, I just want to, I mean, things are changing. They're heading in the right direction. Hopefully we can get uh, prop masters, uh, credit cards, Credits. I don't know. Credit cards. <laughs> yes. Pop has yeah. credit cards for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> With no interest. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're trying to get that in the right direction. So, but yeah, we need help. So, yeah. um, we just, every year we're going to get bigger and, and better. And, and yes. I think it's only going to be good for us. So, yeah, go to our new and improved website. Yeah. Beautiful job. Yeah, our website is fantastic now, and there's yeah. so much more better resources to that are open to to everybody. It's 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 the, the benefits to being a member is insane now. Uh, right, the amount that we're having rolled out, but um, Comic Con again. I'm going to stress Comic Con. Let's yes. talk about Comic Con before we roll out. Um, we're we're going to be at LA Comic Con um, this. This weekend. Yeah, it's going to be this weekend. So make sure you go over to Comic-Con this weekend. It's going to be at the L.A. Convention Center. We'll be there Friday after 5. We'll be there Saturday all day. We'll be there Sunday um, pretty much all day. We're going to have panels on Sunday and Saturday. So both the same room in 308 AB, and both panels are going to be from noon to 1.30 on Saturday. We're going to have the Oppenheimer panel. We're going to have Guillaume Deluche and his prop team up there talking about all things uh, Oppenheimer and what they did uh, for all the props that took place in there. We're also going to have in our booth the bomb core from Oppenheimer as well as a bunch of other Oppenheimer props. They're going to be there for a little while doing a demonstration. And then on Sunday, it's going to be our Star Wars day, which you'll be able to come and hang out and be able to see the panel with Josh and with Brad and a lot of their prop guys out there just to answer questions about that and they'll be hanging out in the booth with us for a little while too to hang out with you guys and answer any questions you might have so come and hang out with all of us it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be fun right. i want to yeah. meet everybody come yeah right you excited for it oh yeah totally yeah <laughs> <laughs> great so this is gonna be huge it's gonna be we're gonna be in west hall by the way our booth is gonna be in west hall um we're gonna have one of the biggest spaces there nice uh nice. 20 by 30 foot space right when you come into the front entrance you'll be able to find us right there you can't miss us so come hang out in our booth we're gonna have custom stickers we're gonna have custom pins with cool little props and then we're gonna be raffling off um we're gonna be raffling off crew swag uh 
Yes. So we're going to have props, crew swags from shows. I believe we're, we're raffling off a Truman Show jacket. We're being for... We're auctioning off um, Oppenheimer stuff. I think a, a Thor crew T-shirt. There's just a, a whole bunch of really cool stuff that we're we're gonna be uh, raffling off. So come hang out with us there. Um, once again, Josh, thank you for yeah. coming out and joining Absolutely. us. No worries, my pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I know. Awesome. Um, I'll do the, the whole spiel again. Um, thank you all for <laughs> thank you all for tuning into another episode of Prop Talk, uh, the official podcast of the Property Masters Guild, brought to you by Real Working and Retired Prop Masters. Um, if this is your first time listening or watching, I don't know if we've officially launched on YouTube, but if not, we will. <laughs> yeah, not yet, but we yeah. Will. Um, yeah, please make sure to like, subscribe, and comment anywhere you're hearing this. Um, if you want to join the Property Masters Guild or you would like more information on the Property Masters Guild, uh, go over to our awesome website at propertymastersguild.org. Um, if you have any questions for us here at Prop Talk, you can also go to that same website. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram at underscore the PMG and all other socials. And yeah, I think that's it. So beautiful. Until next time. Great job, Mikey. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>